This is Isaka's Page Two Podcast. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining. I'm Brian Fletcher, a research advisor at Isaka. And joining me today is Dr. Jerry Birch, here to talk about his article, Cybersecurity in a COVID 19 World Insights and How Decisions Are Made. Dr. Birch, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before we dive into your article, how would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Did 20 years in the Navy, started off more on the oh engineering side, and then after doing engineering side, um, went into logistics. So that was the kind of both ends of the submarine, if you will. One pushing and the other one making sure that everything is there to be pushed. And then uh, the next part was, you know, in my Navy type career, my undergraduate is in chemistry. Uh, my master's is in uh, applied mathematics operations research. Um, and then I got a PhD in organizational behavior. And so what I had in the early part of my career was this, everything is linear. Every problem can be solved if you have the right data, you know, go in, get all your data together and then try to uh, come up with an optimal plan. But what we found was that when we were trying to implement our decisions, we didn't always get the same results. And the results, you know, from a from an applied math guy and the results don't come out, you know, it's like the, the research is wrong. And then there's the real stop that says, wait a second, maybe it's not the research that was wrong. What happened during the implementation? And the implementation requires these very messy things called humans. And these messy humans, we give them instructions. We tell them what we were expecting of them. And they don't always do what we were really thinking they were going to do. Um, sometimes they go off script. Sometimes what they think we said is not really what we said. And so we don't get the same results as fate should have it. Whenever I put in for my PhD at Virginia Commonwealth University, I thought I was going to get my PhD in decision sciences. And uh, that's another applied math. Um, let's just let's just torture things even harder to get a PhD, um, you know, with with the numbers. And whenever I got to VCU, they told me that I could no longer do a PhD in decision sciences. Instead, I got to choose between accounting, and accounting is not really my thing, uh, management information systems, which I didn't really think was the right direction for me at the time. And the other was organizational behavior. And it was that moment of organizational behavior, PhD work, that I finally started getting some aha moments. Those moments where I'm beginning to see that what was going on with the math was really being, really being uh, adjusted by the stuff that was going on between the ears of the people that were implementing it. So my organizational behavior um, PhD really took me to thinking more about the human part of, you know, information security, the human part of implementation of new systems, the human part of just working with uh, with other people. And so that's kind of the extension of this article. Uh, hopefully that that you will see that, you know, that that oftentimes we especially as data scientists and as information uh, specialists and security managers and that, we think that things are set and structured. And we oftentimes forget about 
these, once again, very messy things called humans um, that we let to interact with, uh, with our processes and with our items. So that kind of hopefully gives you a little bit of background on, uh, on where this started. That was very enlightening, Jerry. Thank you. And we both had different experiences in the Navy and similar ones. Uh, I thank U.S. Navy for my education. I mean, I couldn't be where I'm at now if it weren't for that. So why don't we chat about your article here? So my first question is, what is rational choice theory and how can it be applied for making decisions in a COVID-19 world? Rational choice theory from a from the purely academic standpoint is a it's a theory about the way that we make decisions. And in particular, when we when we as humans are you know getting ready to make a, a decision for some people, they think that, you know, or at least we have written in the past that that we make the optimal decision. You know, there's this idea that we consider all options and we pick the best option. And that is this idea that that man is omnipotent, that we have all of this information. And the truth is that that's not that's not what happens with, you know, with most of us. Matter of fact, one thing that that we refer to often is a, a term that Herbert Simon came up with. that's called satisficing. And satisficing says we don't try to look at all options. We normally just scan and find the first option that will work and we go with it. And so this idea of satisficing is we're not looking at everything. Instead, we're just going to pick the the one thing that's going to it's going to work. You know, and, and so we put it into place. We saw that a lot with COVID. You know, we didn't stop and look at every one of our options whenever we hit COVID. Instead, we satisfied. You know, offices, whenever they were looking at their business continuity plans, they didn't go and rewrite it all. They said, this one thing right here will work. Uh, for example, if we're going to go to this post-COVID world where you can work on any device, on any network, from anywhere in the world, what is one option that will allow us to do that? Zoom. You know, Zoom could allow us to communicate in that way. Is that the best thing? Is that the only option? And so most people, I would say, based on theory, they satisfied. They took the first answer that came up that worked. So. That's the background on kind of the decision making. Rational choice theory, though, rational choice theory also takes that one step further. And rational choice theory has been used a lot in our criminal justice areas because what they normally are looking at is what kind of decisions do criminals uh, make? And so with rational choice theory, the criminal thinks about their options, you know, for their decisions, and then they think about the environment. So we have this input that's coming in from the environment. What does the what does the environment give the criminal to um, to work with? And then finally, there's this expected outcome. There's the expected outcome. Will I get caught? What is the punishment if I get caught? And so rational choice really says, okay, let's. We know we're not going to look at all options, but the environment's giving me some options. Am I going to get in trouble if I go this uh, particular way? So hopefully that gives you a little bit of background on on the theories. No, Jerry, I think that was an excellent insight. I know based on my own personal experience, 
at the time we were lucky enough to have been planning for major snowstorms just so that a, a third or a half of our workforce couldn't come into work. And as it happened, COVID happened and we had all our workforce not be able to come in, but we were, we were, we had a plan in place and we were able to implement it. So, you know, it's, it wasn't the worst possible choice we could make, but as you said, it was the easiest choice we could make. We're like, okay, we're already down, going down this road. Let's go a little further. How did the approach of letting employees perform their work on any device? And I know I have a big heartburn with this anywhere during the pandemic affect cybersecurity industry and the threat landscape. I think that most of us already seen that. And I think the question really is, how do we address it? How do we how do we deal with it? Personally, I, I think that we satisfied on making some decisions. And now we probably need to go back and say, is that really what we want? You know, is that really is that really the right answer? Now that we have time to stop and go back and look at our other options. Any device probably doesn't make sense. Um, you know, maybe any approved device makes more sense. And, and we think about, you know, what fences can we and should we put up now to say any approved device from on any approved network? You know, is there, is, is there something that we need to go back now and say yes to this, but no to that? And then finally, is that, does it make sense from any location. It may make more sense, to, once again, any approved location. And we have time now to think about it. You know, we aren't, the businesses are back running, you know, and the, the cycles are being made um, on making decisions and doing daily operations. But just go back and decide what we need to approve, what we need to take back. And it's an individual company decision. We've made a lot of progress with uh, software, so maybe we need to add the caveat, um, you know, for if this software is used, you can use this device on this network in this location if this software or if some other um, fence is is put up uh, to help us. No, that sounds very good, Jerry. And I know, like, based again on my personal experience, one of our biggest uh, countermeasures when we put up geofencing. Uh, all our all our customer base and all our users were within the continental United States, and so we really didn't need external people accessing our network. So I mean, but again, as you alluded to, every company, every organization is different. So what would you say were the most frequent types of cyber attacks during the early phases of COVID nineteen? Oh, most of them. Most of them have uh, are associated with reaching in to um, getting the. Uh, people inside the fence to give them access. Anything that tries to drag you in from a phishing type scam, something that would allow you to uh, give them access to your network. It was the same things that we were seeing before. They weren't these big malicious attacks uh, coming from the outside. They were just more of the, uh, of the phishing type things that were trying to, to, to get you to to grab it and run with it. And along with that, you know, we we were all extremely gullible. We were all very hungry fish. How about that? Whenever we started the pandemic, um, we all had information that we were trying to gather on, are the number of cases rising in my area? 
What are the latest things that I should be doing? And so it was very easy for the criminal to go out there and find this very good bait for us and hang it in front of us. You know, here's, oh, here's a new website. Go check this website out. It's going to show you everything that you need to know. And we, we fell for it. I mean, we really did. We were, we were hungry fish wanting new information and we, we let down our guards. I think as the messy humans on the inside, we let down our guards when we had just given this open fence type approach, you know, we're, we're going to let you go anywhere on any device uh, and on any network. And now we're going to start dangling all of this new bait in front of you uh, of information that you may want to gather. No, I agree, Joe. That was very true. There was a lot of very well-crafted phishing emails out there, especially in the very beginning. And, and as you said, it, it they tended to uh, try to bait us with things that we were looking for. And, you know, and I think the next part, too, is, you know, that social engineering type stuff that came immediately afterwards with it. That was, you know, it was trying to get you to, you know, if you're going to be a good citizen, go do this, go do that. And again, we got directed to places we shouldn't have been directed. We started trying to gather too much information and share too much information. And we didn't have the security system set up to uh, to stop it. Very true. And, you know, you kind of already touched on about how all this remote work increased our security vulnerabilities and our data breaches. But I actually would like to, since we're talking about the future, talk about how would the implementation of artificial intelligence and automation help us to reduce security vulnerabilities and recover from data breaches? I mean, I had some personal experience with this and was quite amazed. I'd like to hear, hear your input. Gosh, we were just beginning to scratch the surface on this artificial intelligence um, and where it can lead us. However, I think, and hopefully we'll get there um, soon, artificial intelligence, I think, it, I'm hoping will allow us to come up with some new scenarios. You know, when COVID started, if we had the artificial intelligence that would immediately start picking up on these, these new phishing scams faster. This is the newest, this is the latest, uh, things are changing quickly in this area. And so from the artificial intelligence, it could start, you know, ringing the bells for us as, information security folks that says, wait a second, you know, we, we have new threats that are coming in here. If we can use artificial intelligence in that way to start trying to pick up in those areas, then you and I don't have to come up with every scenario. You know, we don't have to come up with it's the snowstorm of 2022 scam. If we set artificial intelligence up, it can pick up any scenario that that starts. We don't have to tell it to to look for this area or that area. So I think that to me, um, going back to my, you know, that, that first discussions that we had where we, you know, we talked about these linear ideas that we came up with and these linear processes, they're great, except we can only follow the lines that we have drawn. And I think the artificial intelligence starts letting us maybe move back to that idea to where we're able to look at all options. You know, we're no longer satisficing as much. Maybe we can let our artificial intelligence reach out there and fill in the gaps to say, wait a second, you're choosing this one, this one satisfied idea. Jerry, would you just stop for a second and look at these other four ways that maybe we could do it? 
So maybe that's one area we could, we could go down. True. I mean, like I said, I, my experience based on what I saw with artificial intelligence, it was great at telling you what was normal. Again, going back to my sea stories, when I would walk into my radio, and it was my radio, I could tell something was going on just by how it sounded. Sure. And that artificial, I could tell if there was a problem. That artificial intelligence really helped us where our previous work because it would tell us, okay, you know, these things are not normal. This person's accessing stuff they shouldn't be accessing. They're moving more data than they've ever moved before. You, you should go look at it. And that, I mean, maybe that's just one aspect of artificial intelligence, but it really helped our response times. I think at the end of the day, this, this last question helps us wrap this all up into a nice bow. So how can managers use rational choice theory to provide employees with a plan of action regarding cyber threats? And what actions should the organization take to ensure security of their remote workers? Because I, I do believe remote work is here to stay. I think the rational choice theory um, to me in this article, and one of the things that we were really trying to get across is that as a manager, I'm trying to do everything I possibly can to take care of both the organization and the employees. I also need to stop, though, as a as a manager and say, wait a second, what's Brian thinking? What decisions are is, is Brian making right now based on the new information, based on what's going on? So I need to think not only about my own processes of thought, but I need to be thinking about every one of my employees. You know, what is their thought process right now? How do I need to adjust where I am based on what the employee is thinking and the choices that the, you know, that that the employees making? Then let's take that one step further. You know, I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about my employees. Now I need to think about the decisions that the criminals are making. You know, the cyber criminals that are out there, what are the things that they are thinking? Rational choice theory. How has their environment changed? How have their inputs changed? How have the chances of them getting caught changed? You know, and where are they going to come uh, attack us? And so, and I think that if nothing else comes from the article, it hopefully says we're all messy. But we do some things very consistently, right? We pick simple answers often to solve our biggest problems without ever thinking about the implementation that's going to happen and the decision process that's happening at the employee level. And once we do it, what are the criminals going to do out there? How are they going to take advantage of me choosing the easiest answer not working through the decision process with my employees and then just allowing them to have full access to our employees anywhere on any device and any location. Very true. And uh, I know both you and I, with our experience being in Subforce, we always had to ask the question, what if? And that really applied as I migrated into my cybersecurity career. And I know we can probably sit here and ch chat and swap sea stories all day, but you know our time's winding down. I really think you gave us some good things to think about. You know the world has obviously changed, and we need to be thinking about how we're going to adapt to these changes and not be have our blinders on. I guess would be a good analogy I would use. You know we got to look at more than just the the easy choices. 
I would add to that, it's going to change again. This idea of thank goodness we we got over that hurdle. Now is probably the best time for us to think and learn uh, from a rational choice theory standpoint. If we can go back now and say, wait a second, that hurt really badly. You know, what just happened really was painful. Let's don't do that again. Um, and we go back in now and don't just stop and patch it. Come up with a real business continuity plan that, you know, is going to allow us to, to be able to manage these things again in the future. Uh, especially now that we have our, you know, our current level of learning. Let's use that now to make ourselves better so that we can get ready for the next threat because it's going to come. We just don't know when. No, Jerry, I absolutely agree. And I think the other insight and I saw this firsthand in a lot of stuff I've done in the Navy and after the Navy is you got to go test your plans because you never know what's really going to happen. I mean, it may look great on paper, but until you actually implement it and test it, you really don't know if it's going to work. It's really been wonderful and great chatting with you there, Jerry. And if you're interested in reading Dr. Birch's article, refer to the current version of the ISACA Journal, Volume 2, 2022. Anything else you'd like to add, Jerry? Thank you guys very much for this opportunity and uh, a chance to to take our work, the uh, work that's also um, probably needs to be stated in there that is that there are two other co-authors on this. Mike Fichtenkam, he is uh, he was one of our German students that was going through a program. This was an idea that Mike wanted to grab a hold of and run with. And then as we wanted to go back and, and test this you know, not just an academic approach to it. Um, we brought uh, Jordan Birch. He is the CIO of a small company called Yobo, uh, IT development in the Richmond, Virginia area. We brought him in and said, this is academically, this is what we're thinking, but what do you see on the uh, implementation side? So, you know, it is a, it, this was very much a collaborative effort where we were trying to bring, you know, the right amount of theory um, in with the right amount of, yeah, but is this the way the real world works? So thanks to Mike and Jordan, both on, uh, on all of the work that they put into this as well. I said, I read the article myself. I found it very interesting. And, uh, I, as we talked earlier, I always found it was best to have a team to tackle any problem. So I really enjoyed our chat today and I'm Brian Fletcher. Thank you for tuning in today with our chat with Jerry and look forward to seeing you again in the future. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Page to Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. 